Welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Tommy Miller. For more information about Legacy Church, please visit us online at www.legacychurchclm.org. Good morning, church. the baby, by the way. She was being held by another human. Our childlike faith will encourage us and allow us to never stop being excited about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, before we get started, I want to pray something specific. During worship and sometimes when I'm sitting over there and everybody else is ministering, God starts to work on me personally sometimes. And I usually don't share those things with you because they're not significant and you won't learn anything. But today, I believe that he wants us all to allow our universe to get a whole lot bigger. We get in a a habit of being consumed with ourselves, our situations, our emotions. and, And unfortunately, we don't realize that we're not the only person on the planet. God was sitting there dealing with me, and he basically said, what are you going to say? I said, about what? He said, the most significant thing that ever happened in the span of time or space, the resurrection of Jesus, what are you going to say? And in a moment, my universe got huge, and I got that big. So I want to pray specifically this morning that we, we can allow ourselves to see ourselves in a part of something that's much bigger It's really hard in the human psyche to be selfish and significant at the same time. But when we realize that our purpose, our life, our reason for being is much bigger than ourselves, it's way easier to receive what the resurrection has purchased. So can we pray that way? Father, thank you so much for an amazing morning, God. Lord, we thank you for an empty tomb, and we give you praise that the resurrection can now be expressed in our everyday life. But Father, we pray specifically that our universes get huge. Individually, personally, allow each one of us to see ourselves as part of your plan. For us to see ourselves from a a 20 million mile view in comparison to heaven, the resurrection and what you've designed for us. Father, have your way with us this morning. And do what you do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The title for my message this morning is, What Are You Going to Do With an Empty Tomb? How often have you taken the time to put yourself in the position of the disciples? How often have you taken the time to, to pretend that you were John, or that, that you were Peter, or that you were James, or you were one of the gentlemen that actually forsook everything that you have to spend three and a half years being trained, mentored, and in relationship with the person of Jesus. I do it frequently. One, because it gives you context. It makes you understand what Jesus is saying in a society that we're not really familiar with. But number two, it forces you to reconcile the pain, the emotions that they're actually feeling. Because relationship 
always determines interpretation. You know what I'm saying? The relationship you have with someone determines what the words mean that you say. You know? You can put hashtag I love you on somebody's post. When I say that to my wife, it means something different. So putting yourself in the position of somebody who had literally spent day and night fellowshipping, eating, performing miracles, and being trained by the person, the man of Jesus, gives you an appreciation for the things that he said, the things that he did. Now, how many of you would be stoked if your teacher, your Rabboni, your favorite person on the planet, the one that had given you new insight and new reason for being, said, hey guys, we're going to establish this kingdom, and this is how it's going to go. I'm going to be turned over into the hands by my betrayer, hung on a cross, die a sinner's death, and on the third day I will overcome hell, death, and the grave. How's everybody feel about that? Truly, we get excited about it because we're on the other side. Now imagine that you've never seen a resurrection before and the first person that ever crossed time and space says, I'm going to defeat death. We think, well, we've got another cult leader, guys. Stay away from the Kool-Aid and run. <laughs> right? We have to take a careful examination of the Scripture. We have to realize that these disciples, after three and a half years of spending intimate time with Jesus, did not believe that he was going to overcome death. In Matthew 28, Mary and Martha were on their way to the tomb. Do you know why? To make sure he didn't stink. It was on the third day, guys. It was the day that you and I know as Easter Sunday. It was the day that you and I know as Resurrection Day. The day that time and space and history changed for all humanity. But to Mary and Martha, it was the day that the Savior's body would start to decompose. And for his honor, they had to make sure he didn't smell bad. You guys with me so far? The disciples didn't even come to check and see if he is resurrected. As far as they knew, evil had won the victory on Good Friday. They thought Good Friday was a bad Friday. They didn't believe in the resurrection. Now, how many of us as New Testament believers, being on the other side of the proof of the resurrection, find ourselves in the same place? You with me? You guys awake? This is Resurrection Sunday. If this doesn't, didn't happen, we don't have faith. If Christ isn't risen, there is no reason for you and I to be here, assembled together. Our faith is contingent upon the reality of the bodily resurrection of a Messiah. Now, do you know what the Bible refers to death as? The last enemy. How many of you have ever given away your last dollar? Raise your hand. How many dollars do you have left after you gave away your last dollar? Zero dollars. We can do math. How many enemies do you have after the last enemy has been defeated? Zero enemies. That means that the resurrection for you and I isn't something that we're supposed to anticipate. It's something that you and I are supposed to express. It's a resurrection reality that you and I, on the other side of the truth of Jesus, overcoming hell, death, and the grave, not having an enemy that can take you and I down or out, can express it in every moment of our natural lives. Now, 
before we get into the theology of this, I, w- I want to be kind of frank, okay? Our faith that we teach is contingent upon one thing. Jesus could have done everything else and not been the Messiah. To be the Messiah, he had to be resurrected on the third day. So if our faith is not contingent upon our Messiah's ability to defeat hell, death, and the grave, if the message we preach is that all things have been put under his feet and we're in him and his resurrection power enables us to walk in the newness of life, then why can't we control our mood? He can raise Jesus from the dead, but I can't get this smirk off my face. Come on. There's a practical expression of the resurrection power of Jesus. And we can't overshoot it because we'll be trying to raise the dead, heal the sick, and cleanse the lepers. But we can't control our own thoughts. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. This is going to get better, I promise. But listen, sometimes the church preaches such big pie-in-the-sky messages that we don't realize that the resurrection desires to invade every area of your life. It desires to bring life to every area of your natural existence. We think we only pull on the resurrection when somebody's dead. We can pull on the resurrection when somebody's anxious. We think we only pull on the resurrection when somebody's sick or has a terminal diagnosis, but we can pull on the resurrection when your marriage is falling apart. Because the last enemy, say last enemy, has been defeated. This is good news. It's more than a good song. It's more than a Sunday service. And it's more than an existence in the sweet by and by. It's the reality of life and life abundant. Turn in the book of Matthew with me to chapter 28, verse 1. It says, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. He sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. He said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee where you will see him. Behold, I have told you, they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his words, (laughs) ran to bring his disciples' word. Those people on that side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus had something to doubt. They had watched him raise the dead, but they had not seen him raise himself. Now, thankfully for us, if you guys do your history, do you know that the resurrection of the person of Jesus has only started to be disputed in the last 100 years? And it's not disputed, it's just just Christians don't take their, uh, their faith seriously anymore. There isn't a philosopher or a historian that would 
argue that the person of Jesus was resurrected, walking around being seen by Cephas, the 12 and 500, after his resurrection. Ask any historian, they'll tell you, yes, it's true. They just question his divinity. That's why they're not, he's not the Christ to them. But there's still this man that conquered death, and they can't figure out how. Are you with me? We have evidence of the destruction and the defeat of death. And we have the ability to express that resurrection in every moment of our life. Everybody say, don't be merry. Don't be merry. Listen, how many of you have ever heard of Mary and her brother Lazarus? Mary came running to Jesus and she said, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And then Jesus, rather than running to her aid, waited four days and went and found Lazarus dead in a tomb for four days. Now, on their way to the tomb, they had this conversation. Pay close attention to this conversation. How many of you believe in the resurrection? Good. Scary, but good. The Jews believed in the resurrection. They had no problem believing in the resurrection of the dead. They knew that in the last day when the kingdom was established that the dead would rise. They were fine with that. But what they did not understand is that the resurrection desires to be expressed. So Jesus is talking to Mary about her brother Lazarus. And she says, he says, don't worry, your brother will rise again. And her answer is, I know he will live again in that last day. Jesus face palms. You don't get it. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Meaning the resurrection that Jesus paid for when he defeated the final enemy wasn't just so you could go to heaven when you die. It's so that you can pull the reality of heaven here now because the enemies that stood in the way of your promise have been defeated on your behalf. the good news if there's bad news in your good news it's not the gospel let's talk what will you do with an empty tomb it's proven it's evident it's a reality that death has been defeated Now, what will you do with an empty tomb? Everybody say vicarious victory. This principle is something that you and I need to learn in the Bible. How many of you ever heard the story of David and Goliath? You can take... I was going to like four of you. Start over. All right. So there's this guy. David and Goliath is one of the most told by in all of history. The reason is because it's awesome and everybody wants to beat up giants. Right? But this is what we have to understand about interpreting our Bible. Is that we can take pointers from Goliath. We can take pointers from David. But we're not David. If we assume that we're David, then we will think we are responsible for winning our own victories. 
And that is not the case with Christianity. Jesus stepped on the scene as our vicarious champion. He defeated every enemy that you and I would have stand against us in this mortal life and the life to come. Then he handed us the keys to vicariously walk in what he already accomplished. And we're not David. David had an army full of shaking Israelites, terrified of Goliath and the rest of the Philistines. And David steps on the scene and slays Saul's giant for him. Goliath wasn't David's giant. But he stands in the valley and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands against the armies of the living God. All he had to know was David was in covenant, Goliath was out. That means the power of God fell on him for victory. When David won the victory, he ran headlong into this battle with a giant. He sunk a stone into his head. He cut his head off with his own sword. And he came back with victory. And it says, all of Israel, say all of Israel, celebrated victory that day. David won the victory. Israel vicariously walks in it. Jesus defeated hell, death, and the grave. Now what will you do with the empty tomb? You with me? Everybody say truth. Everybody say grace. Everybody say faith. Truth makes it real. Grace makes it available. Faith makes it yours. When Jesus overcomes hell, death, and the grave, that means there is a victory to be had. When he cleanses you of your sin, he enables you to partake of it. But it is your responsibility to lay hold, to walk in, to step up into what is already true about you. Moses and his his three million Israelites were told, just take a walk. I've got a land flowing with milk and honey for you. Just, just, there's going to be some big dudes at the door. Just mow them over and go in. They got there, the big dudes were too big, so they turned around. How many of you know that's our life on a daily basis? The giants aren't yours to defeat. They're defeated. They're yours to walk through. Ivy got it. You can go ahead and give Come on. Everybody turn to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Now, Miss Diane, I have to tell you something. My wife and I have been in ministry for going on nine years. And God has been faithful through that entire nine years. When we were in tough times to send a prophetic person into our lives and say, the Lord told me to tell you to read Joshua chapter one. Unfortunately, that's happened about every six months for the last nine years. But only recently has the Lord revealed to me why he reminds me through Joshua chapter 1 of how to get through the tough times. Because for eight years, I made the mistake of thinking that I was Joshua. You're not David, and you're not Joshua. And that's the best news that you and I will ever hear. That means you and I get the medal, but we don't get the bruises. We get to wear the championship belt, but we don't have to throw a punch. We, we get the gold, but we never even have to compete. 
we have a David, a champion that stands in the valley against our enemies on our behalf. He takes them out and says, walk on. We have a Joshua who has access to our promised land and he says, I'm giving it to you. I thought I was Joshua. For eight years, I thought I was Joshua. And then finally God reveals, he said, I'm your Joshua, just walk in. I've defeated hell, death, and the grave on your behalf. Now son, just walk in the promise. I'm not Joshua. No, boy. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over the river Jordan, you and all this people. Now watch. To a land which I am giving to them. To the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you. Do you see that there's a distinction? Joshua started his commission with a promise that he had already accessed the promised land. God used specifically the words am giving and have given in this covenant. God is giving us victory because he has given it to Jesus. We gain access to the promise through a representative. Joshua had already been given the promise because the children of Israel followed Joshua. They apprehended it. Did you... I hope you heard me. (laughs) Joshua was already given the promise. The children of Israel apprehended it because they followed Joshua. You guys aren't excited enough. I'm preaching better than you're amening. You and I are being given victory. Because victory has been given to Jesus, the one we follow. Jesus received our victory, and because it's his, now it's ours. He says, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man, say no man, will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses So I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Man. Church, listen. We often think that our reaction to the resurrection should be anticipation. Did you hear me? We think that our reaction to the resurrection should be anticipation. Our reaction to the resurrection should be expression. The resurrection isn't something we're waiting on. It's something we're walking in. Let me tell you what happens when you're anticipating the resurrection and you're not expressing it. You take Jesus off the cross and you make death your savior. I'll fly away, oh glory. That's such a terrible song. When this life is over. (laughs) Come on. Is death your savior or is Jesus? 
Because if you're waiting on death to come make you perfect, whole, happy, and healed, then Jesus ain't your Savior. If you're anticipating that last day and you're not walking in that day now, then Jesus is not your Savior. Oh, boy. Jesus said to Mary, I am, say I am, the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He says, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. But Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead for days. Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? They took away the stone from the place where he was dead. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Church, if we're living with death as our Savior in anticipation for a resurrection, the areas of our life that we have put in a tomb and are worried about how they smell, we will never allow the truth of the resurrection to come breathe life into your marriage, your problems, your finances, your depression, your mind, and the things that you have laid in a tomb away from the presence of God. And you're just waiting for that sweet day in the by and by so that death can come save you and take you home instead of Jesus coming defeating your last enemy so you can walk in victory. He says, did I not say to you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Lazarus, come forth. Finances, come forth. Healing, come forth. Life abundant, come forth. Resurrection power of Jesus expressed every day of our lives. Now, I have to sidebar you real quick. Because we're almost as confused about the actual resurrection in the afterlife. You guys want to hear some good news? How many of you lost somebody that you love? How many of you know that the narrative that they're floating around on a cloud with a little... Bow shooting each other in the butt with little pins. Just singing holy, holy, holy and floating around for all eternity. That's a bad narrative. That's a bad narrative. God, listen to me well, God did not create man for heaven. If he had created man for heaven, he'd have made some angels. He created man for earth. If you read your Bible and stop watching these movies... You would see that the loved ones that you have lost, you're not going to see them someday in the sweet by and by. 
you're going to see them perfected forever on a new heaven and a new earth in a creation that is the absence of all things harmful, the presence of all things beneficial. There's no light in it because Jesus is there. And they will receive their bodies. The dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who are left will be caught up in the air together with them. We're not staying in the air. We're ushering in the presence of our king to his kingdom on this planet. Come on. Is that way better than singing holy, holy, holy for a really long time? You look at your watch, you're like, shoot, don't have one. This doesn't end. (laughs) Now, those of you that just got ticked at me, just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. He will create a new heaven and a new earth. Now, you want to hear something really cool? Some of y'all won't die. There will be a generation of people. I'm saying this generation that will walk straight out of this life and into immortality because we've established the kingdom of heaven on earth and our Savior will be able to come hang right here. Some of you standing here will not taste death till you see the kingdom come. (laughs) Doesn't that make funerals way cooler? (laughs) Jesus always said, though though if you believe, you won't die. And we're like, but he did. No, no, no. He fell asleep. He can come back and he's going to inhabit that glorified body and you guys are going to hang for the rest of eternity together. Come on, that's good. The revelation of the resurrection is a precursor to a victorious life, not a victorious death. I'm going to close with four points. Number one, because he rose, you can walk out your destiny. Romans 6, 4 says, if we were buried with him in baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also would walk in the newness of life. Number two, because he rose, you won't die. Knowing that Jesus, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Number three, because he rose, you're divorced from the law of sin and death. Now, check this out. In the Old Testament, in order to get divorced from uh, a marriage that was godly, a satisfactory marriage, your, your spouse had to die. One of you had to die, and then the covenant broke. So when Jesus died, you were co-killed. Everybody say co-killed. Say co-buried. Say co-resurrected. Think about that for the next two days. Your life will change. It says, therefore, my brethren, this is Romans 7, 4, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit unto God. The system of earning and deserving the Mosaic law kept us out of the kingdom reality. We're dead. That husband standing there wondering where his wife is. And meanwhile, we were co-killed, co-buried, and co-resurrected so we could be married to our Christ, our Savior. Number four, because he rose, I have authority over all things. Say last enemy. Ephesians 2, 4 says, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, that in the ages to come he would show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
There is a positional truth that enters your life when you become a believer. The Bible says that as he is, so are we in this world. Because you were co-killed. The old man was crucified and buried. You were co-buried and you were co-resurrected. That means that the ride that Jesus took from this planet to that grave and seated at the right hand in his body in heavenly glory is the same ride that you and I took. All things have been placed under his feet, meaning the last enemy. He's looking at death like this. He said, you're not going to touch mine no more. What are you going to do with an empty tomb, church? Paul said, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. Meaning you can believe everything about the Bible, but if you don't express the resurrection, the rest is meaningless. If he's not raised from the dead, we don't have anything to believe. Listen, there were plenty of men in the Old Testament that cast out demons. Plenty of miracles. Elisha raised the dead. They did it all the time. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered death on our behalf. He defeated your last enemy, church. Say, I have no enemies. Say, I'm victorious. Say, I'm above all things. Stand with me. What's that mean to you? What's that mean to you if he is risen? What will you do with the empty grave? Do we keep looking for the living among the dead? Are we looking for our solutions to our problems in life in dead works? Or are we finding them in a vicarious victory? Listen. The Bible says that the angels are the hosts of heaven. Do you know what a host is? It's an army. It says that God's the commander. And Hebrew says that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to obey the commands of the recipients of salvation. It means you all don't have to fight. You just have to rest in a vicarious victory. You just have to command angels to go do your bidding for you. That way you can walk straight into this kingdom. Is your universe a little bigger now? Can you see from the right hand of God rather than staring your emotions and your pain in the face? You see, that's been below me the whole time. Listen, how many of you facing a giant today? Put your hand up. <laughs> it wasn't a trick question. But it's going to stay your giant until you realize you're not David. If you think you're David, you're going to be looking for stones. If you know your David's already come, you'll be just tramping over dead bodies. Dead bodies. 